Hello, and welcome to Alive or Just Blethering, a podcast where two 30-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Chris Lavender, and with me is my fellow host, Keith McLeod. Today on Alive or Just Blethering, I'd like to talk to you about Pump Up the Valum by NoFX. Good evening, Lav. How's it going? And a very good evening to you. Yeah, going going as well as things could. How are things in Keithland? Um, th- thing, things could be better. Uh, I tested for positive for COVID yesterday, so that sucks. Got through the entire pandemic and got positive. So, shit. <laughs> brutal, brutal. Hope you're feeling okay. Hope you're on the road to recovery. Well, this is the thing for any listeners who have had COVID, and, and I hope that it wasn't bad for you, but I didn't even think I had it. I just did a test because I went to a rugby match with like 70,000 other people and thought it was common sense to do a, to do a test. And then it was like, oh yeah, you're positive, by the way. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. So I generally just feel a little bit bunged up. I think my throat's sore from the rugby, not from COVID, so... This is where I'm at, but this is not what's going to... It's not going to define me. I'm not going to be that guy. Do you know what I mean? Fair enough. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm good. How's, how's things on your end? All good on, All good here. We're all well, and I think everybody's fine. We've been testing regularly, and we had it back in July, and it was a lot worse than what I think it is now, but all, all well otherwise. But uh, thank you to all the listeners for coming back. If this is your first time, welcome. We are alive, just blathering. Uh, if you are a returning listener, thank you for coming back. Please share us with your friends. If you think there's something you like, let them know. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun talking about some albums lately. We we took a little bit of a dip back in back a bit further back into the past over the last. We went back in time. We went back in time. And uh, and I thought I'd hopefully probably I don't know if this will be last. I don't know what album you're going to do next week. Actually, if you want to start thinking about that, now's a good time. Oh, oh, I know what we're doing next week. Oh, good. Uh, I thought I'd... I, while we picked... Uh, so the last few episodes, we talked about Americana by Offspring, and we talked about the remote part by Idlewild um, with our good friend Paul. I think today I'd like to bring the the punk rock album that uh, that really gave me a bit of a, an insight past the Blink-182s and the Green Days uh, a little bit deeper. So some some real punk. I'll, I'll call it real punk for, for my generation. Absolutely real punk. I don't want to be one of those yeah. people that's like, oh, real punk was in 1980, whatever, because I wasn't alive then, so I never lived through that. Yeah. I don't mean to refer to your, your Sex Pistols or your Ramones or, or whoever else, but like, you know, this this isn't pop punk. This isn't... I don't know, emo or whatever, or, or post-hardcore or, or whatever, no effects are a punk band. And there's no... Or actually, now that I'm looking at the uh, the old wiki page, they do come up as skate punk. Skate And that's punk. probably how I know them better. It's, I definitely... I've definitely seen them on some skate videos, or they must have been on a Tony Hawk's game or something. Like, I've definitely... I'll take it back. They're not punk. They're skate punk. I would say they're skate punk. They, they came to prominence... In the, the, I mean, they started in the early '80s, but they really came to prominence in the sort of early to mid '90s, 
and right around then there was the, the skate revival skateboarding was the thing and when you were a skateboarder you listened to punk you listened to punk rock you listened to pop punk whatever it was and being a young 15 year old i thought i could skateboard for a, a time i couldn't but i still used to carry one around just for cool points oh you're you were that guy definitely i i was an inline skater so i well i feel like i was an actual skater because they were skates they were inline skates they weren't or rollerblades, sure, but Death they were skates. Fruit boots. We, we always had <laughs> fruit boots was a common one. We always had the uh, Livingston, where where I grew up, was is was always quite well known for having an all year round outdoor concrete skate park. So I feel quite privileged to have had access to that as I was growing up, and yeah, I spent basically every summer from like the age of I don't know eleven, twelve to maybe sixteen, seventeen skating and i even started to try to continue on afterwards and and i loved it but like there was always in my head it never made sense like there was borders and there was skaters but like as inline has maybe as as has as skateboarding has main probably maintained its prevalence and inline and other forms of skating has gone away or or maybe scootering has became a thing i see kids doing these days big time it's uh yeah it's. It was always funny to me that like there was this difference of skating or or who was a skater and who wasn't a skater. But to me, if you were a skateboarder, you were a boarder, and if you were anything else, you were a skater or a BMXer or a biker or something. That's how it worked for me. But despite being an, a skater, an inline skater, still never really liked punk skate punk or or punk skates or whatever the fuck it's like. No effects were never on my radar, so mm. we never had access to a really good skate park. There's, there's, there's my first sort of admission. Where I was from, we had streets, so we used to have to make our own, and we also had like woods. So that was where skateboards weren't very good, but we could make like dirt jumps <laughs> with with bikes. So we always had. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You had woods. Where skateboards weren't very good. No shit, skateboards weren't good on fucking wood. No shit, no, no, they weren't. So it, what it what it led to was more of a a diverse sort of uh, repertoire of of different sort of activities that you could do. And there were occasions yeah. where we there was a skate park that was maybe about a twenty minute drive away. So this was one that we couldn't access until we were like, well, I I learned to drive when I was seventeen. I was the first of my friends to learn to drive. So what we would do on occasion was load the car up at like 7 a.m. with this is we're talking a day with Matthias here with like two BMXs, three people, two sets of inline skates, three skateboards. Oh, you guys did it all. And just drove to the drove to the skate park first thing in the morning when it was empty. Just have some fun, just try different things out. So there's a managed to do a few grinds on the skateboard, a couple of drop-ins. And check you out, you badass. And then we would go to McDonald's and have a breakfast before half ten, and that was the end of our morning. And we'd just drive home. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It was great. So that that was, and obviously that the soundtrack to us going to these things was listening to Blink One Eight Two, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, or No Effects, Pump Up the Value and Volume. In my experience, 
these that was sort of just the music that you listen to. It got you G'd up. It got you going. It got you, you know, it's got fast pace, um, funny lyrics. I mean, okay, I'm not 15 anymore. I'm not 17 anymore. I'm not. I, I thought it was a social commentary. I'm, I thought it was a social commentary. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. We'll, we'll come to this eventually, but at the time, I thought it was fucking hilarious. Well, this is the thing, and we're we, you, you know we're not 15 anymore. Dick and Vag jokes. I don't know. I'm not. I just it wasn't hitting me. It wasn't hitting me. No, and I, I don't blame you either. I st- I don't laugh at it. There was there is songs that I do think offer a commentary. I do think there is some really good songs and good lyrics that are still in there that are relevant today. Um, one that's still very very relevant is the second from last song, Hero Joanna, where it's like the only real drug problem is scoring real good drugs. True. Yeah, true. Fair play. Still fair. I think it, you know, it's again, it was sort of them talking about sort of the war on drugs and how it's failed. And, you know, there's there's a political sort of twist on that that you can see through it. Thinking on farm, um, pharmacist daughter, again, it's about being addicted to drugs that are pharmaceutical. The opioid addiction in America was absolutely massive. It took, it, it wiped out millions of people. And that was all prescription drugs. Yeah, we've just started watching Dopesick, which covers the whole uh, OxyContin con- controversy mm-hmm. in, in America, which probably would have been absolutely ruined about the time this was released. No, fair, fair play. Okay. Then there is... I've not mentioned it yet. We mentioned it last week. Do you want to have a, a guess at what my favourite song from the album is? If it's Clams Have Feelings too. I'm going to fucking cry. It's not Clams Have Feelings too. Okay. Is it... It's not th- the theme. Is it theme from a NoFX album? No, although that song is very entertaining. Eh. We'll get there. Okay, I don't. I, I could go through all 14 songs. I don't, I don't know. Dinosaurs Will Die. I was looking at Dinosaurs Will Die because I thought, mm, maybe, maybe. Again, okay. very relevant. Still on the nose. You know, taking the piss out of major labels, ripping off bands, ripping off fans. They one day will die. They are the dinosaurs. They're the old guard. We're looking at things. This was 2000, so this is before streaming services like Spotify existed. Yeah. It was the, the fall of the old guard, the big, what it would have been, what, the big five back then, which is now the big three. They were they were all going to fall, and there's been a resurgence Right around that time as well, you saw a massive resurgence in independent music taking it taking it to the next level. The internet has opened up the world to music in a way that the record labels completely failed to respond to in the early two thousands. Very, very poignant. Very poignant. Let's uh let's let's go let's take it back a little bit before we go into in depth into some meanings of the songs. But we'll absolutely come back to that. So where You've 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 got your what was it deumatiz he said yeah <laughs> my mum's deumatiz I'll, I'll you've got your BMX you've got everything else where where was it you found no FX oh man and was it was it pump up the, was pump up the Valum your first album or was that the one you remember most it was the first one that I heard and it was a friend who told me to check out Pharmacist Daughter as he had the lyrics as his MSN name. Oh, God, my hero. Who was, what was that man's name? Or woman's name? <laughs> it was Adam. Adam, if you're listening, you got me, you got me to listen to NoFX. However, I was aware of the band prior to that through another individual. And this, this 
might ring true to some some of our listeners if you've ever been there. There was a another lad who I'd been aware of. He he, he was on the fringes of, of our sort of friendship group, and he was in the area at the time. And he was wearing a NoFX hoodie, and it was the coolest fucking hoodie. Everyone had. Everyone knew someone who had a NoFX hoodie, especially if you hung around like fellow skaters or I don't know. You, you were talking about Goth Square in Newcastle. It was Copern Street in Edinburgh. Like you couldn't walk through those places and not see a NoFX hoodie. It's like seeing a fucking Misfits hoodie as well. Like I've never heard the Misfits in my life, but goddamn, have they got a brand? <laughs> They're on brand. The, so this was the NoFX hoodie. And I had, bear in mind, I had no idea what this band was, what they sounded like at anything at this point. And I saw this boy in the snow effects hoodie and I was like, that band looks fucking cool because he looks cool and the hoodie looks cool. It was big branded snow effects on the chest and on the back it was a big fucking eyeball. Like a really, really like detailed eyeball on the back. It, it didn't give any punk vibes whatsoever. They looked metal. Okay. And I also didn't know they were called no fx at that point you know being a dumbass nofsks <laughs> how do you pronounce that oh you put it together you didn't I know you're gonna be like what nofx 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 i think was one yeah that could have come up you're oh amazing show my age show my time but then someone correctly said have you checked the nofx album out or you checked the song at pharmacist daughter so that was the first song i heard and then it was the first album that i listened to all the way through Bear in mind, you've come from a diet of Blink-182, Phoenix TX, and Less Than Jake, Newfound Glory, and then you hear this, and you're like, this is real punk. I would... I, I would feel maybe, oh, I suppose Less Than Jake are maybe more on the ska vibe. Totally. But, yeah, they're very much... Okay, I take that back. Phoenix TX, I can't really speak of... I don't know, for some reason I put NFX... Oh, fuck, I just looked at the I just looked at the name and said NFX. For some reason I always put NoFX and CYK together. CK, CKY together. I don't know if maybe that was a jackass thing or if they were just on like a similar sort of skate album or something. But NoFX and, and CKY, CYK, CKY? CKY. I can't even remember right now. Can't kill yourself. The COVID. The, the, those bands were always quite closely associated together for me. Okay. Albeit, I'm quite happy to say that CKY were not as punk a band as these guys are. I always associated CKY with Jackass. You know, it was Bam, Bam's pals, was it not? Bam's brother. Was it, was it Bam's bro- brother? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was his brother. Yeah, it was family. So, I always, I never associated them with that, but I do remember them being on one of the Tony Hawk's Underground, I think it was. They had a song on there. And I also remember them being the very like anti-Bush because it was the album that came out after this, the War on Errorism. Well, we've we've talked about them before on a previous episode where yeah, you you brought up the I don't know if it was Epitaph Records or if it was Fat Mike Records or whatever, but yeah, they they sort of helped produce like these sort of two collaborative anti sort of Republican George Bush era music albums, Rock Against Bush. That was a Fat That's Fat Wreck. Fat Records was Fat Mike's own label. So the War on Errorism was the first album, no effects album, to be released sort of independently. Uh, it was the, the last Epitaph album was Pump Up the Valley. Before this, they'd released a brilliant song called The Decline, 
It's an 18 minute no effects song and it it's got so many different phases it may as well be an album if you could put dividers into it it could quite easily be you know 10 10 different songs just all kind of smooshed together but it does carry a a, a theme through it it's very good it's very well written um, but it doesn't hold the title of the longest punk song and you know, the longest punk song is by crass and they did a 20 minute song <laughs> I mean, 20 minutes is still a long it is. song for anyone to produce, but the fact that it's on only 20 minutes is the longest punk song. Is I mean, Golden, what was was it Meshuggah who released I? Was it, the, was it the album I? And it's like two 45-minute songs or something. Yeah, and then you look at like the latest Periphery album, Hail Stan. It's like the first track yeah. 20 minutes long, or 17 yeah, exactly. minutes long. It's funny. daft. It was, uh, I don't know why I didn't remember this, it's pretty much the only, well, one of the only other punk bands I've covered, but um, Siren Song of the Counterculture, Rise Against, was when we were talking about Fat Mike, because it was Fat Mike, or Fat Records, or whatever it was, it was Mike that sort of helped them, suggested to them they changed their name. Was it? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Don't ask me what the name was originally, I'd have to go back through my notes, yeah. but yeah. It was, that was definitely where we talked about the, uh, the anti-Bush stuff. Totally. So, before so just to sort of clarify, just to sort of in- increase my NoFX chops here, Pump Up the Volume is not my favourite NoFX album, but it is definitely the one where I discovered them and sure. probably listened to the most by default. But the one that stuck with me more is actually the one that was released before this in 1997 called So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes. Okay. As that one, I not only remember having it, recorded onto mini disc and it never leaving my side to this day it is the last surviving mini disc that i ha- have in my possession it's the only mini disc you have left from your previous collection is is no effects no effects yeah so that's the sort of that's sort of the impact the only sort of claim to any real impact was that they're a band that both me and my wife really enjoyed together so we all the tables at our wedding were named after NoFX albums. Totally. <clears throat> I think you said this last week. Yeah. So that's the that's really the impact of the band and that song, that that album on on everything that I would get into. So where did where did that take you then? Did did you go on a bit of a punk journey? Uh, you've already named a few punk bands, Phoenix TX and Blink and, and stuff. Like, did this take you more down a punk route or a skate punk route, or were you just were these guys just sort of like the crowning jewel in what was already your sort of punk listening? I think it made me realise that there were things that I was already listening to that was could be considered punk. Yeah, the the bands that I sort of remember listening to alongside. This, I think I've already kind of name dropped a few of them. Um, see, I, it's difficult when when you're younger and you don't really know what you're listening to from a genre perspective. You just l- like what you hear. Yeah, you like it because you like it, sure, or because some dude was wearing a hoodie. Yeah, or because some dude was wearing a hoodie. Good show. The, you know, the, it's only when I really heard no offense, I was like, oh, that, that's is that punk? Is that what punk is? Right, I'll make sure I'll listen out for that. And then you hear that beat in. Bad Religion songs, you hear it in New Found Glory, you hear it in The Offspring. You hear it in Siren Song, there's definitely that, there's what one of the sort of the drum rhythms that I picked up on 
I know I sort of brought up during Rise Against, and I was like, yeah, man, that fucking, that like almost like double kick, like that's, yeah, that step is just like, is pretty cool. Albeit, didn't really do much for me in this context, but it was, you know, you hear those those punk roots or those punk rhythms coming through. Mm-hmm. I, I think I described the band in one of our conversations through the week as as something that I can find a lot of comfort in because of the how how recognizable it is and how how much I must have listened to it. It's a short album. It's only twenty seven minutes or so long. Did you wash your comfort blanket? I need to wash the comfort blanket because it's a bit smelly now. <laughs> no, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I've, I've overdone it this week. I'm going to be perfectly frank. I've gone full circle with this album and. Started loving it and now you hate it again. I don't hate it. Hate's the, hates the wrong word, but I've certainly had my fill. Me too. <laughs> so tell me. I'll tell you that much. You've you've made it clear that you weren't into punk, so you wouldn't have really been exposed to this. Yep. But you liked Rise Against. You liked... Yeah. Okay, the, the Blink album, Untitled one, maybe not so much, as maybe not the best analogue. But you've got a you've got a thing for that punky beat. What was it about this that just didn't grab you? Yeah, so I think I said at the start of the recording or the, before we started recording, I've just never been into punk. But you're right. I've I, I brought Siren Song of the Counterculture to the pod. I loved. Or I talked about how much I loved uh, Untitled by Blink-22. So I can appreciate that stuff. And of course, Americana two weeks ago, that probably triggered this whole thing. So I can appreciate punk music, but I can never... I don't think I can turn around and say I've ever listened to a NoFX. Or, uh, I don't know, for some reason I'm thinking AFI. Or, you know, more more punkier bands. Because it's just... It's, <laughs> Quite simply, it's just something that's never really appealed to me. Listening to this album, I didn't recognise any of it. I, I don't think I've ever heard any song off of this album. Or if I have, it's been so much in passing that it's not stayed in my memory at all. I get the humour. And as we were saying earlier, like we're not 15 anymore. So I sort of struggled to really get on board in that. And I think... Humour is a large part of how they present themselves. Mm-hmm. Even look at band photos and stuff like that. Like these guys are probably an absolute riot and are awesome to be around. Maybe for five minutes and then it could be too much. Or you know you'll go on a four day bender and you'll have the best time of your life. So I, I wasn't picking up on the humour. I wasn't picking up on the the sort of the musical genre itself. And yeah, then all right part of the humor but like lyrically some of the stuff was like physically grating on me like annoying me <laughs> to my core where like i had to text you and just rage that you made me listen to this you know if i what, what was the line i text if i ever hear the line there's nothing finer than having a vagina <laughs> again i'm going to lose my shit it's funny it's funny hearing it being said like that <laughs> like I know. when someone I, when someone spoken spoken word no effects songs, I think there's a I think there's a a lucrative business in that, just doing spoken word with a steadpan reading no effects lyrics. There's nothing yeah, finer than having a vagina. 
Like, well, I think he puts the R on the end of it, like, finer, vaginer. Like, I don't know if that just sort of pissed me off as well. Like, oh, let's go through a few of the things that annoyed me. And I won't go in any particular order. But theme from a NoFX album. We're just punk rockers and something, something. Buy me a bong or a Bex beer or something. Like, just started to irritate me massively. Like, it was just grating my tits off. Mm, fucking hell that was annoying but then did you get through um, to where that song breaks yeah and actually like kicks in and like start comes into a punk song and for some reason there's either a Scottish guy or someone doing a weird Scottish accent about haggis like that was that was weird it's just a little story I like I love the story in that song I love the little like <laughs> you know uh, some you know that's Melvin on six strings some tell me I can't sing oh I think you can yeah. just don't do it around me I love those little yeah exactly things. That's what I mean, like the humor's there and the camaraderie is there and that's cool. And I feel like such a grumpy old bastard for like not getting on board with this. But honestly, I think if fifteen year old me had heard this as well, I probably would have loved it. But I do remember it, no effects. I do remember like them being on MTV too, and I must have heard them at some point and decided they weren't for me. Okay. But like, yeah, clams have feelings too. Oh. <sighs> That song was just, I just, you know, if you don't get the joke, if you're the only person in the room and you don't get a joke, then you're like, this is hell. And there I am in my car or my headphones or whatever listening to this. And I'm the guy that doesn't get the joke. And it was hell. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a few songs on it that after listening to the album a couple of times, I would start to skip for what I hope are obvious reasons. Clams have feelings too. Uh, it, only because I think it's got a... I like the line, no chowder for you. I think that's quite clever, clam chowder. But then, yeah, my vagina, that's one that I usually skip. Louise. Louise is probably my least favourite song on the entire album. It's it's either... it's maybe I think it's... It might be my vagina or it might be Total Bummer. Where again it goes off like about anatomy parts and stuff like that, and some there's a line about like treating your clit like bubble gum or something, and I don't know if that's vagina, my vagina or if it's before that because maybe some of the songs started to bleed into one for me. It's Louise. It's the slowest. It's the slowest song on the album, I think. Well, either way, I just wasn't wasn't getting it. I'm I'm sorry if this is going to be a boring episode, listeners, but like this was just. This is an album that is like probably the def the, the definition of not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy there was a, a bit obviously there's the nostalgia is strong for myself because this is one sure. that I, I did listen to and enjoy as a, as a as a teen. But it's interesting going back one song that stood out to me more than than any of them throughout this re-listen as a as a mid over past my mid 30s now parent is listening to the song what's the matter with parents today again another one that i just didn't find funny like i get the i i I get the the is it what is it i don't know is it satire or or is it irony like it's the parents of a of someone who's in a punk band but they actually support them yeah Whereas everyone else's experience is, oh, why can't you go be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or something? Why do you have to be a fucking no good punk? Did you ever have that friend that you go, you'd go around to their house 
and you thought their parents were cool as fuck. Um, you thought they were just like the dog's bollocks. They were either on drugs or, or selling drugs or they were listening to, to heavy music or they had good music taste, good dress sense. There was something about them that you're like, I love going around to my mate's house. His mate's parents are fucking sound. They always give me a beer or something like that. And just put your, then put yourself in the shoes of that friend who can't fucking stand that his parents are cooler than them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I've had... Yeah, totally. Or even just parents of your friends that you get along with. You know, you walk in and they're like, oh, hey, Keith, how's it going? And I'm just like, oh, hi. Hi, Tam, how's it going? Good to see you, man. He's like, what have you been up to? And I'm like, no one ever asks me how my day's going at home. Oh, yeah, it's, it's great, man. Thanks, man. You know, yeah, totally. Like, I've, I've, I've definitely had those friends, but, like, I don't think any of my friends' parents were cool enough to be, like, on drugs. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm definitely going on, a, on an extreme, but still, just having, like, just I'm putting myself in the shoes of of a friend who's embarrassed by how in touch their parent is with, with things, perhaps. Just a uh, bizarre one. Did, did you? Did you have a friend? Like- yes, oh yeah, I had two. <laughs> two? Wow, okay, cool. The, the drug dealer thing was a direct reference to one of them. <laughs> Fair enough. No, I am. Um, no, man. I, I I grew up in a nice part of town, so you know, I didn't really have that. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, like, what is it about the uh, the the parents song? What's the matter with parents today for you? It's it's sort of like this. I mean, not not all of it, obviously, but there are some of the lines that I'm like, is that going to be me? Am I that parent? Am I that? Are you- the one line in that song that definitely sort of did stick with me. I mean, this album is not all bad. There's, I'll get to the bits I liked, but uh, the one line that sort of stuck with me was like, "You were you're you're sitting out with my LPs, just like softly banging your head," and I'm like, "That's gonna be me. Like, I'm definitely <laughs> gonna be that guy." Exactly, and that's what I, and that's what I do. I sit some if I get an opportunity to, I sit out and plug my headphones in and just chill out listen to the music and the kids are hopefully not killing each other you know or even if they are you don't care because you've got the headphones on and you're rocking <laughs> I'm, away, listen, man. I'm listening to eat it and i'm like this is going great <laughs> i'm having a wonderful time i actually can't wait to see my kid should i ever have them see me mosh like for the first time like if i can still throw shapes if i can still go windmilling in with the arms if i can get the elbows out there if i can still get the legs up man <laughs> if i can t- if if that's how my kid gets embarrassed by me, then I will be. I'll the, do it all the time. I will be the coolest dad there has ever been because it's you know it's their sixteenth birthday and I don't know we play something and I'm like I'm windmilling in. Hopefully you'll be there, lad. We'll just be like in a wheelchair. <laughs> we'll just start doing the dances. We'll just start going around in circles. You know, we'll do the rowboat. We'll do the oh, the saw. Like oh. I can't wait. I can't wait for that party. It's going to be the best. That's so. That is where I see when I hear that song. I have that imagery. I have exactly that imagery. It's like all my friends just making <laughs> making my children feel absolutely embarrassed, but having the best nah. time. I don't know if I'm maybe just in maybe I'm just in the wrong place at the wrong time for me to listen to this album. Like the world's fucked right now, man. I'm gonna yeah. I'll I'll back you up on that. Ten hundred, ten thousand percent. You know, like every, every day you wake up, like it's like it's not bad enough. We're just coming out of like sort of two years of a p- pandemic, 
now fucking everyone's trying to invade everyone and you're like oh, you know they really want to hear a song about how a clam doesn't have a face or a spinal cord and must be bored like I've remembered a lot of the lyrics from this from this album no, no, good that may be a sign but I, I get the 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 sentiment that this album has a place and it definitely wasn't the last two weeks this was not what <laughs> I really wanted to hear. I no, no, you're right. Uh, you know the the, the build up to the what what we're currently experiencing. Just to date it, folks. Today is day five. It was the of the of the invasion of of the Ukraine. So mm-hmm. I yeah, we was you know feeling a little apprehensive about the future, perhaps. And this is not what you want to listen to. So on that, like that 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 sort of puts me in in, in another place of of why this album just didn't... I didn't gel with this album. Not that the album didn't gel with me, I didn't gel with the album. Mm. And... I I said at the top of the episode, I went up to watch the rugby, I went back up to Scotland, so I had some time in the car. I had eight hours of driving to do. So I didn't listen to this album the whole way because I would have driven my car off the road. But what I did do was... <laughs> it's, I could just see you. It's like fucking Penrith. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Penrith's a really good place to do it. Maybe just before... Anyway, the lakes. Anyway, so... For whatever reason, I think I think they're touring at the moment. I've seen them on Instagram. They're pretty active at the moment with lots of live shows and stuff like that. I thought, Christ, I've not listened to Eternal Blue maybe since, since last year. I've not listened to Spirit Box. So I put Spirit Box on in the car on the drive up. After I had listened to this album, I gave it one play on the drive, right? And obviously hating every second of it. But then I put Spirit Box on. Now, Apples and Oranges, you've got a skate punk band album from 2000, 2001, and you've got, like, a metalcore... I don't even know what you call Spirit Box these days. Yeah, like a gent core. Yeah, new gent, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Something like... They're that new, they don't even have a genre yet, Right. Apples and oranges. I know that. I am not comparing these two bands in the slightest. But like, I love Eternal Blue. Like, it absolutely has me gripped on every song. I know how you feel about the guitarist, and if it wasn't for for Courtney of the Plant, but there's sounds and things and stuff within the songs, maybe it's the way it's produced, maybe whatever, that has me hooked, that has me gripped, that has me like interested in listening to the songs. Mm-hmm. For this album, it is just a straight, what is it, a four-piece? Uh, no effects, I think, I thought I was, maybe they are a four-piece. I've always considered them a three-piece, but yes, you're right, they're a four-piece. They're a straight four-piece doing straight punk songs. And it's kind of boring. There's not really a lot there that actually sonically interests me to listen to. Okay. Does that make sense? Is that is that a fair comment? I think that I think it is fair that they they don't I don't think they're trying to they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They Yeah. They they do what they're good at doing. They they clearly have as much as we've we've kind of shit on the, the lyrics a little bit, I think I think the lyrics are still a little bit smart in some ways I don't think the music is pushing boundaries but they sure. they own it though and I think that's I don't think they have to 
you know they, they they're under no pressure to try and do something different they just need to they could rattle out the same album every two years which they kind of have been doing for the last 20 and be absolutely fine they don't need to to do anything to do that so that's kind of where i'm at like if at the moment i am listening to eternal blue uh, spirit box i listened to you know see you space cowboy uh, uh, an album we recently mentioned oh. and i really tried to give or i really did give the um the new role to massey album a new play which is just that album goes places right? something else that's what I'm listening to right now. That's where my head is at. That's the music I want to listen to. While the world is going to shit, I want to listen to stuff like that. There was no no way Pump Up the Valon was ever really going to fit into my, my space right now. This last week, I have been in many positions to listen to music. Usually, on these, when we, when we name an album in a week... I'll be like, oh yeah, this is the this is the chance to give that a listen. After listening to Pump of the Valum maybe two times, I think I listened to the first so the day after I announced it, it's usually my walk to work music. Then I get to work and then I'll listen to some select tracks from across the discography. Pretty sure by twelve o'clock on the morning after, by midday, I'd had enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, like you say, all these other great albums that have come out just in the last six months were totally taking my attention. All those albums you've just named have been front and centre to my listening habits these last two weeks. And this No Effects album has been this little bastard child that I've forced myself <laughs> to to deal with, and I still love it. I still know every word. I still think it is a really formative album for me and I can I can appreciate where I don't think it really took me places but it certainly opened my eyes to the possibilities and, and what what was real punk or whatever you want to call it at the time but then the things that I listen to today just don't serve any analog with it anymore there's there's very little yeah. shared yeah. shared history or, or shared sort of styles that I can that I can say so yeah um, I've grown out of no effects I'm sorry to hear that man I I knew it was going to happen one of these days with one of these albums we've listened to and I don't think it's the first album we've talked about where I felt like I've I've outgrown it but certainly I think the the appeal yeah has 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 gone and you know what sunny day outside having a barbecue Kids are running around outside, having a good time. Maybe something that's funny and uplifting. And yeah, put put on my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the questions! I can't be dealing with the questions. What's a what's a clam? Oh no, never mind. Uh, yeah, or or even what, what's with the matter with parents today? Mom and dad, what's having sex in public? Oh no, <laughs> fair days. You get the you get the idea though. You know you get a night. No, I, who, I, who knows? Not in the not in the thralls of of storms and winter. Maybe I might enjoy it a bit more. You know the 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 kids have gone off to the play park. They're visible. You can see them. Everyone's we're all safe, and it's you, the wife, and and the the friends that are around where this music is also relevant. And you've just been like you've just dropped it at the playlist, haven't you? You know it's coming. You know it's coming, and there it is. You hear the intro. You just start looking around, and everyone's just like, 
yes, little jazzy fingers, just like, yes, reliving the glory days, yes. Aye. So yeah, that's sort of it for the album for me. It's, it, I think it still Oofed. stands as a strong album. I can talk about it like I can, and, and I, I would listen to it in the right setting. It's just been the, the mood these, this last week has made it more difficult to enjoy, I suppose. Nah, totally, man. Well, let's not let's not dwell too much on the absolute shit show that is current affairs right now, because it's all fucked. But we were um, we were sort of talking earlier about like the meanings of the songs, mm. and it's maybe especially when we we're talking about the, the the Bush stuff earlier. Like, so is I admittedly after my first or second listen of the album referred to it perhaps as garbage to you. I appreciate that was probably an overstatement and I was just not in a good place to listen to this album. A little bit hyperbolic, but okay. I don't think it's garbage now. I don't think it's garbage. It's just not for me. Some of the things I liked about the album, I think pretty much every guitar solo in this album is great. I would would say that... um, I'm just trying to get... Your man... I I think it's Melvin that does the guitar solos. Because the the, okay. the two guitarists is El Jefe and Melvin, but it's also Melvin that plays the accordion on the final song. Oh yeah, okay. You know, there's, there's a skill set. Well, lead guitar is down as El Jefe, so it's El Jefe, is it? Okay. So now anyone can play a solo, but like, we'll let's assume it's it's El Jefe on the solos. Solos are cool. I'm 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 down with most. There's maybe one or two that I thought would. would was maybe a bit misplaced but having not been a particularly big follower of punk to hear what is quite clearly a sort of rock solo you know Mm. something that you might even have heard on a metallica album or whatever i was like all right little little bit of shreds there i can get behind that like you know i can make some faces and some finger gestures and and pretend i'm air guitar into a solo yep and i i don't know why it was maybe even more of an annoyance than it was enjoying it. But the one song that really stuck in my head that I didn't mind getting stuck in my head was Bottles to the Ground. Uh, it's got a groove to it. Yeah, okay. And that, that even that, like the one more round and it's Bottles to the Ground and the harmony kicks in one more round and it's Bottles to the Ground, etc. I suppose it's just part of punk and, and skate punk and pop punk or whatever but like they do do harmonies quite well yeah you know like they, they do work them in and layer them in quite well across a lot of the songs and stuff and it's definitely bottles of the ground that that stuck with me on that one so that's kind of all i can sort of take from the album <laughs> it's like ah yeah some cool solos yeah it's pretty punky um bottles to the ground was kind of catchy i'd maybe have a little dance to that if it came on a club but yeah I've I've said it from the beginning there, but early on that Dinosaurs Will Die is my favourite song, mostly for its lyrics. It's very is it because it attacks the uh, you think it is a scathing attack on the the record industry as a whole? Definitely, it's it's a commentary about how they they failed to move with the times and that they will die, and the the independents will survive. The band themselves have been very anti label from from day one they've rejected that i think they were they made a video 
for their for one of their singles and they never even submitted it to MTV which at the time is you know you in the 90s when they made that MTV was the place where people heard new music if you wanted yeah, new there fans wasn't YouTube there was no YouTube yeah. there was no Spotify there was no Napster you got tapes passed around and you maybe got a CD off someone why would you make a video if you weren't going to put it on MTV precisely MTV and there weren't and again there weren't multiple movie uh, music channels at the time you didn't have your Kerrangs yeah. and your Scuzzes and your P-Rocks and things it was MTV there was MTV and that was it VH1 weren't going to play it were they they might do now but at the time no well yeah so they you know to choose not to do that there must have been places to put it on whether it would have been on skate videos and stuff to to the people that they want to do it on but to make that decision you know, they've quoted us saying, we made Leave It Alone, we made the Leave It Alone video, we decided not to send it to MTV, we just didn't want to be part of that machine or that of that punk wave. So, don't know if that was sort of a direct dig at the, the Green Days of the day, because they would have been... Green Day, Offspring, yeah, get, get fucked anyone who went on MTV at that point, I suppose. They were offered, so after their, their biggest album was 1994's Punk and Drublick and they were sent, received many offers to sign and they collectively told them that nope, don't want to do it we've been doing fine all these years without you, so leave us alone yeah, that's that's pretty cool and then there we go, six years later, they're, they're writing songs, that sort of them saying, this is why we didn't sign up for you because you're part of an industry that doesn't, isn't changing it's, and you end up dying. You'll you'll die, and you'll take us with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, or you know, as as we sort of we've we've discussed it before. I think definitely over funeral for a friend. But you saw a lot of bands going into, you know, uh, crowdfunding mm. and, and trying to fund their own albums. But definitely more prevalent these days. But I still think I still think labels have a place. I think they do. I just think it's not where it was. It's not to say I agree with that place. But you, people will still release onto record labels. You know, it's still a thing that the label them, the labels themselves might have reduced, but still very much a part of the record industry is record labels. I want them to. I want the ownership to stay with the bands. I get it. The label has invested into the creation of an album or a song or whatever it is they've they've paid for. But ultimately, the ownership of the song should be the, the writer and the performer of the song. No, I agree. It's like that first time you go to uni and you hand in some work and you're like, and they're like, oh yeah, this is the property of the university now. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. That's my work. That's That was my research. That's what I developed. That's what I thought of. Yeah, yeah, but you did it under our blah, blah, blah. So you did use our resources, etc. That's ours now. You know, like, I, I don't know if you had that eureka moment but when i found that out i was like oh fucking god damn and then it just that just became like a normal thing like you when you go out into work like ip sets and ip rules and stuff like that just you you don't actually own anything anymore yeah, even working in a call center for a bank you get told if you create anything you make anything it's our property not yours yeah sucks. which is fucked if you think about it sucks and that's where record labels i think need to sort of get with the times a bit, modernise and really show their worth. You know, what What is it they do? They promote. 
they advertise, they have connections to get the music into the right ears of reviewers and push it to listeners. And perhaps they've paid to get it recorded, they've paid for a studio time, whatnot. Perhaps get it to a level that isn't ridiculous. You know, stop giving millions of pounds for a couple of albums. Pay the pay a reasonable amount and don't expect the world. I think the one that scared me the most is uh, something, I can't remember the official name for it, but if they are unable to sell enough records, they get to take money back off you. Yeah, like why would anyone agree to that? Or why, why I mean, hundreds of thousands of performers and artists have agreed to that, but and there was a... That's, that's fucked. There's an, an amount, when they give you an amount of money, a part of that, a portion of it, is apparently to pay for failures in vinyl pressing. Now, this goes back to the 50s and 60s. And even if they don't even make a vinyl release, they get it when it goes on Spotify. If you make a Spotify album, an album that's purely released on digital streaming services, part of the money you pay still is for this clawback for for, for failures in, in production and creation. So does that just go straight back to the label? Is that what you're yep. saying? Without doing a thing. They basically say, if they said, here's, here's, here's £200,000, by the way, five grand of it we're just going to take back because we can and we do. unless the Unless it does really, really well. And that's when they both ride on the wave. But there's bands that have been... It's been true throughout history. There's The biggest bands in the world have been fucked over by record labels. Classic example that I always remember was Queen. Their first three albums were like household names. They were massive. And their record producer, I can't remember his name, he was turning up in a, in a Rolls Royce in a Bentley to the to their to their shared flat where they were sharing one fork to eat from a single tin of beans. I think I remember this from the movie that was awful. But I've not seen it yeah, with We like, Are the Champions. I can't remember what they called with it. With Remy Malik as Yeah, don't get me wrong, Remy Malik was amazing, but the whole film was sort of shrouded in a bit of shit because Oh, what's his fucking name? The director that did X-Men, Brian Singer, is allegedly, apparently, reportedly a nonce. Oh. So, and his... Oh, yeah, man, don't watch don't watch the original X-Men films. Don't even watch the good remake or the good oh, Fassbender. You know, oh, don't first watch class. Days of Future Pass. No, Days of Future Pass. He, he, did, he mostly did Days of Future Pass. Don't watch Superman Returns. And oh. yeah, that all sort of came out when he was filming the Queen movie. Oh dear. And he was quietly removed. And that's why he hasn't been back since. Because basically Kevin Spacey did, but wasn't as public as Kevin Spacey. Wow. I've, I've, yeah, that's a shame when you have to start making decisions like that and think I'm not going to watch this because such and such was involved with it. I still enjoy. Miramax films that were released by Mr. Weinstein. Weinstein, yeah. Well, it's all of like the Kevin Smith films, isn't it? Whether you still enjoy Kevin Smith or not, like everything before Clerks Two was, I think, a Miramax film. So your Mallrats and your Dogma and your Jane and Bob Strikes Back, 
my favourite oh. story that involves Miramax and Harvey Weinstein was the translation of uh, Princess Mononoke from from Japan, Studio Ghibli film anime. Really? No, I'm aware of the film, but I'm, the, how does how does Miramax end up translating that film? So, Princess Mononoke is the first Studio Ghibli translation since a absolute butchering, and I will use the phrase butchering of the Miyazaki's early film, one of his early films from 1983. Basically, between 1983 and 1997, Studio Ghibli did not export any of their movies because of how badly Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind was handled in the 80s. Well, did not know that. When Miramax saw how good Princess Mononoke was, they wanted to import it into America, and they wanted to make some edits to make it more palatable for the for the American audiences and for the Western audiences. Yeah. And obviously Miyazaki with his previous experience was like a little bit touchy about it. So he sends Harvey Weinstein, who's the president of Miramax, uh, was. a katana. I believe it was a katana sword. Mm-hmm. And just engraved on it, no cuts. <laughs> Fucking what a move. What a flex. Fucking if you want my movie... You put it out as I made it. Yeah, absolutely. And he did, and it is one of the best Studio Ghibli films. It's not the best, but it's one of the best. It's up there, up there with up there with the Spirited Away's, with your My Neighbor Totoro. It's up there. I can't. I can't stress how good of a movie it is. And it's how, wait. How how do you? How do you pronounce the big cat creature? Totoro. Totoro. If you listen to it in American, it's brutal. It's Totoro. Yeah, I've always pronounced it Totoro. <laughs> Totoro. My name is Totoro. I've always just thought it's Totoro. Yeah, no, maybe, I'm just I'm just saying. Maybe I, I thought I'd had this conversation with people, but maybe I haven't. But there's there's a handful of movies there. All these movies from the eighties that never saw a proper release until like the early 2000s and I never appreciated that until very very recently of how recent we have seen um, translations of these movies no sure I I am I wouldn't have thought about that either I we have gone on a tangent by the way (laughs) oh totally and I'm going to continue when I was living in Glasgow the um Glasgow Film Theatre GFT, yeah, yeah, the Independent Film Theatre in Glasgow, just off Sucky Hall Street, did a, a Studio Ghibli sort of festival, and you know, uh, they, they, I think over two three weeks, they showed the films, and you got the sort of the Japanese version on the Sunday, and you got the dub on the Monday. So, I, I hate to be that guy. I will usually watch a dub, just because I can't. I don't. I don't. I want to enjoy. It's a, it's a movie. Mm. It's a you know. It's a visual experience. I want to enjoy the visual experience. I'm a really shit slow reader. I don't want to be like missing half of a, a subtitle because I'm trying to read the screen. So I appreciate the mouth movements aren't always there, but it's generally it's generally not a problem for me. So I will I will usually watch a dub. Uh, and yeah, we, we went to go see Totoro and Spirited Away. I agree with you. In, in as many ways as possible that a dub 
is easier because you get to enjoy the artwork a bit more. You can actually yeah. watch it and listen. listening becomes secondary. Uh, yeah. If you're reading, you, you miss certain artwork things and you sort of have to do it. It's, I used to like watching watching the dub so that I got the gist of the story and got to see it. And then if I was to go back, would watch the, the sub version to sure. to get the voices. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm a big anime fan. I am not a big anime fan, but I enjoy anime. I recently, I mean, this is such a tangent and we need to come up with this, <laughs> I know. but like I recently had a massive binge because, are, are you aware of, are you aware of a little known anime called Attack on Titan? I am aware of Attack on Titan. I've never watched it, but I am Man. fully aware of it. I have, I have, that show has an effect on me. It is like crack. And I recently caught up to the end of season three. Oh boy! I'm gonna, I'm gonna, th- we're not, we're not done yet, boys and girls. If you want to hear about no effects, you may as well just rewind back to the start. I have been watching Initial D. I've heard of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, it's fucking great. It's about man. I want tuners racing their cars in Japan, and it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the the music, the music is. It's not no effects. It's Eurobeat dance. Whenever the I'm sure initial D was like the the original, or the 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 speed racer was was what people thought, or was the sort of American influence for speed racer. Uh, no, initial D is way after speed racer. I'm sure speed racer was like early mm-hmm. E's, wasn't it? I don't know. This is when my knowledge starts getting a little bit bit out of it, but or maybe it's where the uh, maybe it's where there was uh, the I was going to say Wazowski's, but that's Mike Wazowski. No, it was the Wach- the Wachowskis did the Speed Racer movie. The Wachowskis, thank you. Yes, I want to say there was an influence there. They they made the Speed Racer movie, uh, which yeah, was yeah. an adaptation of the the Japanese anime and uh, manga books. Up, uh, but yeah, th- this was what I was listening. So a lot of anime stuff I was getting into in the early two thousands, and that's when mm-hmm. I was listening to No Effects. <laughs> Great tie-in. Great tie-in. We did yes. it. We did it. So yatta, yeah, uh, I I enjoy I I I still enjoy watching anime, but I still enjoy listening to no effects as much as I've got a a limit on how much I can listen to now. As I'm getting older, I feel like it's getting harder to go back to. After Attack on Titan, I'm going to see if there's any new One Punch Man because I've only seen this one season on Netflix, but I. Didn't really enjoy no effects. There was some bits to take away from it, but I'm just not. I'm just not in that place where I'm going to enjoy this band, and I don't think I ever have been. So, thanks for uh, th- at least thanks for the suggestion of something that I would never have listened to on my by myself. Fair enough. That's what I'm. I think that's a, a good shout. Trying something new. I think so far. Other than DJ format, I would have liked. I liked DJ format. That's something I would have probably listened to, but just not that particular album. Did you go back and listen to any Idlewild? Did you One Hundredth Broken Window or anything? No, no, I did not. I should. I really should. We had a comment on Reddit where someone suggested more Offspring to listen to. So thank you very much. And we've had quite a bit of activity on the old Twitter as well, which has been nice. Yes, thank you everyone for for reaching out and and actually engaging in conversation with us that's been enjoyable we've also had a bit more chat on every time i die reddit 
for uh, for that post as well. So again, thanks everyone for your for your comments and your feedback. It's very much appreciated. So yeah, if you've got something to say about NoFX, let us know. Reach out in the comments or anime or anime. Love or, or love. Apparently, the, apparently, the doors, the doors are open. We're welcome to talk about anything. Um, but we've got, you know. We've got our opinions, we've got our place, we've got our experiences. What were your experiences with the band? Give us a shout, let us know, at AOGB Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We'll respond, I promise. Mm. D- definitely. I'll probably I'll probably respond on Instagram, Lav can respond on, on Twitter. Sound, sound. But anyway, I've got nothing else anyway. to say about NoFX, unless you do. Nah, cool, man. Uh, but at the end, I may, have, I may, it may sound like I've been harsh. On the band, uh, clearly they're a highly respected, influential punk band. So, so that's cool. I'll leave it there. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So next week it's gonna be you. What What are you gonna make me listen to now? So we're we're kind of sticking in nineteen ninety eight, but it's relevant to where we were a couple of weeks ago in two thousand and four. Because this is where I went to see the band. The only time I've ever seen this band. But such a massive, influential band in music. Let, let alone let alone just, just, just within me. But we're going to do Hello Nasty by the Beastie Boys. Sweet. Because I fucking love the Beastie Boys, man. I mean, we're going to go from, from, from punk rock to, to hip-hop and rap. and it, it, I, su- I suppose it ties in with my interest previously with... with DJ format and stuff like that, but uh, the Beastie Boys have always had like a really special place in my heart, in my heartstrings, in my heart place. So I thought, yeah, it's it's not all metal. Let's 2004 was when I went to see them in Glasgow. Let's go back to 1998's Hello Nasty. Hello Nasty. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm I'm down for I'm down I'm down for that. You familiar with the with the boys, Beastie Boys? I am indeed. I own a couple of their vinyls. Awesome. They, I mean, they're just one of those bands that you couldn't escape uh, in the early How, yeah early two thousands. So like, so iconic, so influential on on just even style and stuff. Like, absolutely great. Yeah, looking forward to this week. Actually, that might be the that might be the the, the crowning joy of this week is listening to the Beastie Boys non-stop, because I won't just listen to Hello Nasty. I might quite comfortably listen to a good five or six albums. Yeah, it's easily done. Absolutely easily done. Yeah. Thank you very much, Keith. I think that's a good shout. I think it's time, love, if you want. Am I taking it home? To take us home. Am I taking it home? Yeah. Or do we acknowledge... I suppose I'll, I'll acknowledge it. I'll take this one, love. Thanks very much. There's so, some of the feedback we received over... Uh, over Reddit and and stuff recently. Audio quality. We get it. We are not music engineers. Any problem we have, we have to Google and and try and figure out what to do with it. So recently there's been a couple of episodes where the audio quality hasn't been great. Lav and I made an investment in, in recording equipment for the podcast. We obviously don't expect our guests to do that. So if at any point some audio hasn't quite worked out well, um, with our guests, we can only apologise if if that quality is detrimental to to your listening experience. But we're uh, we're trying to learn what we can as we go with the episodes and improve it as much as we can. No, oh, good shout, good shout. But uh, I'll 
just take us home now. Take us home. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We have been Alive or Just Blethering. Please do check us out on our Instagram and Twitter at AOGB Podcast for all updates, memes, tweets, mean tweets. I'm not going to tweet. I'm just going to tweet episodes. Don't you worry. But I will reply if you do want to shout out. So thank you very much, everyone who has. Uh, Next week, Keith is going to be talking to us about the Beastie Boys. Hello, nasty. Body moving, body moving, baby, body moving. I'm excited for this. I can't wait. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Hopefully next week I won't have COVID. Goodbye. <laughs>